Meanwhile, recorded live in the Lava Lamp Lounge, it's somewhere in between a radio zine. News, music, culture, stories, and more. This show is what we make of it, and hopefully you'll join us in the fun, too. Now let's get started. And welcome to a supernatural radio noir. It's issue 52, The Adventures of Marcus Little, part 5. When it came time to actually put Marcus Little together, I got incredibly lucky, not just because of the people who did say yes when I asked if they were interested, but it just so happened that I knew some very interesting and wonderful people that I could ask at all. Doing a lot of radio over the years has led to me doing a lot of interviews and working with a lot of wonderful personalities, and so I knew that when it came to our lead, I needed somebody with Jason Ramey's kind of delivery and fun and just the general tone that I knew he could bring to something like this. I'd heard some of his other radio work where they'd done some kind of radio dramas, and I just knew that he would make an excellent lead as Marcus Little. I was also incredibly lucky in that I could ask a, a few people that I quite admired to fill in for a few roles here and there, and that's certainly how the weatherman and uh, little Theodore became, uh, well, Merlin and Greg, respectively. Uh, it wasn't actually that hard to ask either of them. I'd been not only uh, kind of interacting with them casually over the years, but it was just you know a case of, hey, uh, I'm working on this project. You interested? And both said yes immediately. And once everybody was in place, it was just a logistic question of recording. Probably the hardest part was getting the song done with Emma and uh, Matt, since uh, we all lived in different places, and I was recording on less than professional gear at my house, and Matt was using basically a studio to knock out the song. But I think Emma was able to nail it, and uh, it certainly adds a huge amount to the the show overall not only having her in it where she can do the acting and the singing at the same time but uh just being able to have faith in the kind of people that i was finding who uh had ideas and and were able to execute them using comedians to do not necessarily comedic roles but with comedy in it certainly uh made the execution of marcus little and the editing afterwards much easier. And speaking of roles, it's probably time that I got into mine because, uh, well, we have a little bit of unfinished business with our Mr. Stone, as it were. Now, where were we? Mr. Stone quickly interjected before I could get to the next part of my story. Haps, huh? He inquired. And suddenly, his entire perspective snapped into place. I could see what he was looking for. And I knew exactly how to string him along. Sure, I said. You know, for a place that's difficult to get a cup of joe, it actually has some pretty good donuts. Randy looked at me, clearly challenging what I had just said. 
but not directly. It occurs to me that Mr. Stone is not familiar with our neighborhood, doesn't understand some of the shorthand, isn't exactly familiar with the place names, probably couldn't give directions to save his life. And that's why he's here. The image in my mind suddenly came into view of Mr. Stone retracing the steps that Mr. Little took on that same night. He was hoping to find Haps, to sit down, to actually get a cuppa and see if it would work in his favor, if perhaps one of the other patrons might lead him to something he was looking for. I don't fault him, I do the same thing. If I'm not familiar or if the local lingo is escaping my grasp, then of course I hit up a townie and try to get as much as I can so I can figure out what it means when somebody is referring to a restaurant by a nickname or a bar by another name or any number of other things that I don't know about any particular neighborhood that I'm suddenly finding myself in. It takes time. It can actually be one of the most laborious parts of the job, sussing out what people mean when they use local lingo. But it can be incredibly rewarding when you find the right person who's willing to give you the right clues. I'm not interested in donuts, Mr. Stone said. I just want an address. Where is this haps? Not too far from here, I countered. We can even pop in afterwards and I'll buy you a chicken fried steak. As tempting as that is, I thought I might try another place. I nodded. I see. You're more interested in the saloon. Mr. Stone shrugged. Hmm. Seemed like it might be a place where I could take care of some other business. And what might that be? None of yours, Mr. Stone replied. To which I have to say, it's a pretty good retort. Fine. Doesn't sound like you're very interested in the rest of the story anyway. What good is it if I uh, tell you how all this turns out? While he was distracted, I pressed a button underneath my desk and looked him straight in the eye. It took him a moment to reconnect with my gaze, but once he did, he glared and said, Come on, Dex, give me the addresses. It's the last two places I haven't been. It's the last two pieces of the puzzle. Once I'm sure I can be out of your hair, I'll just disappear and you can go back to reading my columns in the paper. You know, the kind of arrangement we had beforehand when we didn't know each other. I smiled and said, what are you talking about? I'm starting to think that you're one of my best friends. And you know what best friends do. We love to tell stories about where we've been. Two of The Adventures of Marcus Little, starring Nate Kelly as our hero, begins shortly with this continuation of our feature story, Tall Tales and Small Rewards. I popped into my office to give Lieutenant Levinson a ring. While it was never a sure thing, tonight proved fruitful, and Levinson mentioned that a pair of human haulers liked to wet their whistle at the old Pink Dog Saloon when the working day was done and occasionally they got a little drunk and heated in their conversations, and would have to be told to mellow out by someone with a badge. It was a long shot, but for some reason this seemed like the right path to take now. 
So I threw the Chevy into gear and told Itty to hold tight as we tore our way to the old pink dog saloon. Hey, if you want to start handling the driving, then be my guest. The old Pink Dog Saloon was the kind of place you ended up when you'd already spent an entire evening striking out, and you wanted to see if personal danger might be in the cards for you. Dive probably undersells the qualities the establishment tended to highlight, but it wasn't that the place was filthy, or something that might fall apart itself. Rather, the ambiance of the clientele mixed with the dim lighting and terrible liquor to create a mood that was edgy in a place that was already not well cleaned. It led to some interesting problems for an after-hours joint, so the owners had gotten into the habit of enchanting a door near the entrance. All you had to do was speak the password and the door would open. While I'm not proud, I do tend to keep myself informed about these kind of things. (coughs) Quiet, Eddie. (coughs) Zuzu's pedals. It also wasn't my first time here. You'd be surprised how many cases cause you to wind up here eventually. But with my unnatural pallor and otherworldly companion, people seem to be staying out of my way. I got myself a bourbon and a ginger ale for Itty, then scanned the bar for two gents I'd seen at the morgue. I just don't understand how you could take that position! Not this again. I thought we were here to have a good time, not talk about some random question of ethics. But it's such a fundamental concept. And I would like to know if I'm on the same page as my best friend. If that's the case, why are you the one that always makes fun of me when I answer questions like this? Uh, I just don't see how you don't believe in free will. It's so much more complicated than whether or not I believe in free will. We'd have to have a much longer conversation, defining terms and discussing basic philosophy for days, just so we can both understand each other, so we can have an informed discussion about free will. That just seems boring to me. That sounds like a cop-out from someone who doesn't want to take responsibility for their own actions in the long run. Everything I do and everything I say is my choice. I decided that. There is no force that can make Greg do something he doesn't want to do. And that includes referring to himself in the third person. Just because I don't share your philosophical perspective doesn't mean I don't take responsibility for my own actions. That would be incredibly childish and wouldn't prove anything useful. Look. I want to enjoy my cider and soak in some more music from the 1965 jukebox this place has before I call it a night and dream about catching toads or something. Do you know how hard it is to find Spike Jones on a jukebox? <laughs> you really are obsessed with Spike Jones. But someday we should actually talk about something of substance, you know? Something that matters. Okay, I'll say this. And then we can move on and talk about the weather or something. It's like this. Excuse me, can I? Thank you. Yes, what do you... Hey, I know you. You're the guy from the... Other bar, yes. Let's not mention that in a place like this. Of Of course. course. Why are you here? Marcus. Marcus. I I I was about to say Marcus. 
I knew you were Marcus. I never forget a corpse. I, I, I mean, face. But why are you here? We don't know anything about you or anything. What are you doing? You filled out the paperwork on him. We even told me he was that detective you read about. We don't have time for this. Look, it's obvious what happened to me. We don't need to go into that stuff. How did I get to the morgue? I need to retrace my steps. You don't know? I think even I could figure this one out. Why does everyone insist on talking down to me just because I'm dead? I'm sorry. That was really mean. You seem nice and I'll stop. What do you mean, mean? We could have been awful to you, but we weren't. We actually delivered you to the morgue instead of trying to sell you off to some medical student or something even more horrible. We get offers. Be thankful we decided not to be really awful. What happened? Look, we are two resourceful gentlemen that fulfill a need in our community. That's all. Uh, We don't ask a lot of questions at work. Uh, Certainly not about the big issues. And we're both very good at our jobs. We've been doing this for years. So if my friend Merlin here has set up a system in the van where we could take unfaceable calls and make a little scratch on the side. And if my friend Greg uses his charm and connections to put the word out that we might be free to do this kind of work. And? Are we not making ourselves clear, Greg? You're fine. It's me, I'm sure. Sometimes I I stutter, and it's hard to follow. I'll I'll try this. Marcus! Yes? Someone paid us on the DL to haul you away from that hospital, no questions asked, to the morgue, and to forge the paperwork so it didn't look too fishy. They disguised their voices using a whisper on the phone when they called. This happens all the time. We showed up to find your beaten and broken body uh, just inside the door of the hospital that appeared to have been uh, forced open. Do you think that was direct enough? I'm telling you, that's exactly what happened, word for word. Eddie says you're being square, so I'll consider your words worth this much. We should cover one more round. Well, I like you too, Mr. Ghost. But I don't know if you'll believe me when I say you don't like the name Itty. Let's go. He seems like someone who has no choice in the matter anymore. I don't know. Maybe he has more free will than either of us. After a long conversation that I wasn't sure I quite understood, Itty and I decided we weren't interested in returning to the hospital tonight. Too many bad memories for either of us, in light of what the two coroners told us at the old pink dog. (coughs) Yes, we can get some Limburger. It was clear that we should return to my office and see if dead people can get a little rest before tackling the problems fresh in the morning. I was about to retreat back into my office when Itty called my attention to an outline, visible through the window of the 24-hour library across the street. It only took a moment for it to register in my mind, 
and another to make my way to where the outline I saw was, in front of a table where a number of newspapers and a pad of paper were evenly spread out. Oh! Sarah Lund? Why is that thing pointed at my back? Because I don't think I could trust someone who would give me a phony name over the phone. Or in person, but we can't always keep all our details straight now, can we? Cut the small talk. Let's go. My office is just across the street, and the librarians here have a strange policy about wisecracks in the stacks. (laughs) What do you know about jokes? You're a ghost. Come on, let me ask a question or two. So who are you really? Let's just say we're kindred spirits. Though, by the look of it, I'd say you and I are about as different as can be anymore. Recent events have not been so kind to me. So, a gumshoe, huh? Should have figured. I would have guessed from your reputation that you'd have had me pegged sooner. But then again, we all have our off days. Yeah, quit stalling. Who are you if you're not Sarah Lund? You made up that name, not me. I just rolled with the punches so I wouldn't get knocked out. I wasn't sure if you were going to fall for it, but you must have been in the right frame of mind to take a hard luck story and assume it was the case, so I laid it on thick. I think I finally see. If that all tracks the way I think it does... The hospital was just something I made up like a guest bed. I remember jogging past it when I lived in that neighborhood, and how the light was always on seemed like it would work long enough to get you out of the way. (laughs) No, it's even simpler than that. Like a certain blind man, I kept limping closer to the answer, but my own incompetence lies at the center of the story. I don't follow. Your case involved the library. Yes, but I take it you wrap things up already. Simple embezzling, I... Needed a nosy neighbor on a shopping errand until the goose was cooked. I... I'm sorry? No, I would have done the same thing, Eddie. I, uh... The library is really considerate. They're letting me hole up there until my office is... Well, it's not interesting. Another case, really. I get it. A better P.I. would have pieced it together by now. Guess it is my time, after all. There's a lot of dead people around these days, and you could... You still haven't answered my question. Oh, yeah. It's Johnny. Thanks, Johnny. I'll see you around. Well, this week's show is just full of surprises. You won't want to miss the exciting conclusion when we return to the adventures of Marcus Little right after these messages. How many times has this happened to you? You're tired, beaten down, you're irritable. Your mental and physical health are suffering. You just wish there was some way that you didn't have to face all the tedious decisions that pop up day after day. What you need, friend, is Mertz the dietary supplement that helps make up your mind so you don't have to. A daily dose of Merit's, the little brain-shaped caplet that contains special decision-making nutrients, will give you all the willpower needed to make decisions for up to 24 hours. With a supplement like this, you'll no longer feel lethargic when making decisions at work. You'll have more confidence when picking a restaurant for that big date. And with Mertz as a part of a regular diet and exercise routine, you'll find you are finally the king of your decision-making domain. That's the little brain-shaped caplet available at most druggists. In the vitamin aisle, Mertz helps make up your mind. Take only as directed. Good morning, America. Has the pace of Century City become 
a little too fast for your taste. You ever want to get away from it all, but you, you still want to keep in touch? Why not subscribe to the Witherstone Gazette? Local journalism, the way it was meant to be. We cut to the chase and we give you a story you can't wait to follow. When you open up a fresh copy of the Witherstone Gazette, you can be sure that you're going to find tasteful local journalism conducted by folks who care about our community and focus on stories that are of interest to you. We at the Witherstone Gazette prefer news that's fit to read again and again and will become a source your family can depend on, no matter how far from the hustle and the bustle you happen to move. When you find yourself moving further away from the turn-of-the-century paper, instead, turn to the Witherstone Gazette. We put the local in local journalism. The Adventures of Marcus Little features Nate Kelly as Marcus Little and Jessica Norman as Cindy Baumgarten. Featured in the cast were Jill Honstein as Candy Matson, Heather Sadowski as Johnny Thunder, Sean Royal as Mort Linger, Jeff Parks as Itty, Dash Thompson as Barney, Travis Doan as Fred and Ape, Tim Maloney as Parson Sanders, Don and Horace Withers, Emma Pace Jonas as Betty, David the Weatherman Wills as Merlin, and David Little Fyodor Lichtenberg as Greg. Also featured were Jason Ramey, Kelly Taylor, Jessica Ramey, Jesse Sutherland, Bella Ramey, Austin Rich, Stella Starr Schaefer, and William R. Harris. Our music was by Brendan Murray and Matt Orifice, and our script was by A.C. Richards. Your announcer was Fred Weiser. The Adventures of Marcus Little can be heard every week here on ABS, the American Broadcasting System. ABS, it's what's on. This is ABS, the American Broadcasting System. <laughs> Yay. The Adventures of Marcus Little, part five of six. Tune in next week to hear the end of the story. And that's going to do it for us this week here on the program. Somewhere in between, a radio zine. The Adventures of Marcus Little, Part 5. Issue 52 was written and assembled by Austin Rich. On this day in 1978, Edward D. Wood Jr. passed from this mortal world and entered into the realm of the unliving. While a lot of evidence points to the fun Ed must have had in his life as a creative person, there was real tragedy and loss throughout his career. None of his films were successful, which led to a recurring cycle of poverty. His acting was never on the same level as others, leaving him with little to fall back on when times were tough. Even his writing career, for someone as prolific as he was, never led to any real success. Both he and his wife's alcoholism not only led to their pennilessness, but their eviction, which saw all of Ed's private documents put in a dumpster. After drinking far too much over a three-day period, Ed passed from this world. However, 
Within four years of his death, his work was finally getting the accolades it deserved. Collections of his work have been released almost continuously since he died. A church has been founded in his name, and he has earned more household recognition and respect in the 40-plus years since he died than he ever did in his life. There's a lesson here somewhere. Exactly what, I'm not entirely sure. This episode was produced by Austin Rich in the Lava Lamp Lounge and was assembled using only the finest in 20th century technology. In the long-standing tradition of most zines, there is an open submission policy here. If you have a story, music, or poetry that you'd like to send in or read, or you just want to be a part of the show, why not drop a line to austinrich at gmail.com? That's going to do it for us this week. You guys are wonderful. You guys are beautiful. And without you, there would be no program. Be seeing you. Somewhere in between? A radio zine?